you guys so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here to talk about patience today. But I want to start with a question for all of you, and I'm going to need to see hands for this one, okay? I want to know how many of you are morning people. Are any of you morning people? Put your hands up in the air. Okay, there are a lot of you. All right, well, here's what I want to say to you. I am so jealous of you morning people because I am not a morning person. I love staying up late and sleeping in as long as I possibly can in the morning. And it has been a problem for me since I became an adult (laughs) because it turns out that morning and adulting, they go hand in hand. Have you ever noticed this? There are no jobs, really, that start at 11 a.m. every day. And so I had to learn, like, years ago how I was going to make mornings work for me. So if you are a night person, what I'm about to tell you is just like a bonus gift this morning, okay? Here's how I learned years ago to handle mornings. I learned that when my alarm goes off in the morning, which it has to in order to wake me up, I hit snooze. That's not the gift, you guys, okay? And then I have made a plan for my nine minutes of snooze time. Does anyone know why it's nine minutes of snooze time? I've never researched that. I should find out. But anyway, during my nine minutes, I learned years ago to plan out my day in my head while I'm lying there. So instead of going back to sleep, I think through like what's going to happen and what meetings I have and who, what phone calls I have to make and like situations that I might have to handle. And I strategize and get ready for my day during that time. So when the alarm goes off again, I either hit snooze for nine more minutes of planning, or I make my feet hit the ground and get out of bed, and then I am ready for my day. This happened just the other day for me. I had a plan in mind when I got out of bed of what we were going to do for the day. I've been staying home this summer with my two kids, Ryan and Hannah. I brought a picture of them. They're seven and nine. This is, uh, Ryan had just won his second baseball game of the season, the only one, too. So that's why his sister is so proud of him. It was very fun. Also the last game. But anyway, so Hannah and Ryan and I are home together this summer. So my plan for the day involved a bike ride, a trip to the grocery store, some pool time, and then some like chores and cooking before my husband would get home from work. So I had this all planned out. I came down the stairs all ready to execute the plan for the day. And when I got to the bottom of the stairs, I found them looking like this. They were... (laughs) on the couch, snuggled up, watching Try Not to Laugh videos on YouTube. Do you know about this? This is like a whole movement that people are doing, okay, kids are doing. So they're doing this. I present to them the plan for the day, and I'll just say that the plan was met with resistance. So maybe you are like me, and you make a plan for your day when you wake up in the morning. I think most of us have some kind of idea of how we want the day to go. Some of us even dare to dream and hope of the day going well and according to our plan. But if you're anything like me, you probably have noticed that the days rarely go exactly the way that we have planned them to go. In fact, they almost 
never ever <laughs> go exactly the way that we have planned them to go. So you get into the car and there's like almost no gas. And you had not planned to have a gas station stop on your way to wherever it is that you're going. Or you go to a meeting and they switch the meeting location but they never told you and you're stuck in the wrong place at the wrong time. Or, I don't know, maybe you just have like a relational conflict that comes up in the day that you weren't planning for. And I don't know about you, but when my plans don't go the way that I want them to go, the first thing that I lose is my patience. And that's just 100% truth, you guys. When they called me and asked me to come and speak on patience, I was like, are you sure you want me to speak on patience? Because it is definitely something that I struggle with. It's not something that comes naturally to me. Like when something goes wrong in my day, it's not like I just feel like taking a deep breath and thinking about the big picture and stepping back. Like that's just not my natural inclination. But I wish it was so that when the traffic is bad or the lines are long, it would be patience that showed up in my life. Now, I know you've been on a, in a teaching series this summer on the fruit of the Spirit. And so today, I thought it would be fun if we would just go on this journey together to discover what God might teach us about patience. So that at the end of today, we could leave with more patience in our life. Something that God offers to each of us. But before we dive in, I would like to actually just pray and ask God to do something in us today before we leave. So let's just pray together. God, um, it is humbling to be up here talking about the fruit of patience. And I know that it's something that you want for us, something that you are growing inside many of us, but for some of us, it doesn't come so easily. And so today I pray that you would teach us something that would change us and that we take advantage of this short time that we have together for you to pour into us so we can leave here different than when we came in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to anchor our study today in the Bible in two places, Galatians 5 and John 15. Now, Galatians 5 is what you've been studying all summer, where Paul is talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, Paul, who wrote this letter to the church in Galatia, was he wrote most of the New Testament, but he was a Jesus hater turned Jesus follower. He's also, from what I read, a very strong-willed and bold leader. So I kind of like him, and I like reading everything that he has written in the New Testament. I want to read for you what he says about patience. It's from Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So these verses that Paul's writing to the church in Galatia fall towards the end of his letter to them. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to explain to him, to them, what happens in the life of a follower of Jesus, the freedom and the fruit that is found when you stick closely to a relationship with Jesus. And the picture that he paints for us here is this, this analogy of fruit, that the Holy, Holy Spirit can produce inside of you something that looks like fruit, and then he names it. 
love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And I was thinking as I was reading this in preparation for today, why Paul chose to use fruit as his analogy. Because when I am trying to think of something that is delicious and desirable that everyone wants in their lives, I, I tend to think about donuts. Donuts would be a better analogy for me. Or if it's fall, I would think about apple pie. I'm like a raving fan of apple pie. So if I were Paul, that's probably the analogy that I would use. But then I was thinking, when I have occasionally gone on one of those diets where you eat like no sugar or low sugar, and so I've been like eating meat and vegetables all week long, and then at the end of the week, someone offers me a banana, and my mouth starts to water. Do you guys do this? Do you do these? Okay. I mean, that is an amazing feeling when someone hands you a banana when you've had no sugar for a week. And I think, I was like, that's probably how the people in Galatia felt about fruit because they probably didn't have a lot of donuts or apple pie. And so fruit was probably the most wonderful and delicious thing that Paul could offer to them when he was writing this letter. Okay, that's just like a little inside moment into Joel's brain, okay? I digress a little bit, but here's the point. The point is that what Paul said the Holy Spirit produces inside of us is really, really good and desirable for everybody. And I think if you look at that list of the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and kindness and gentleness and self-control, every one of us would say, I would like more of that in my life. I don't think anyone would say, no thank you to that list of fruit that Paul says is possible for people who follow Jesus. But then look, that word patience is right there in the list. And what Paul is suggesting to us is that if you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit will produce patience inside of you. Here's how I would say it. I would say patience is possible. Now, I just want to pause here for a second because perhaps you are here right now and you're like, I don't think that's true, Joelle. Like, I know there are situations or even people that that come into my life and I have no patience for them or for that situation. And there's just no way that God could produce that inside of me. And if that's how you feel, I understand because I think patience is one thing that's very difficult for me as well. But I want to say this. I want to suggest that patience isn't just possible. That if you are a follower of Jesus, patience should be expected and anticipated in your life. And this is very good news. Because this means that if you are short-tempered or easily aggravated or frazzled by sudden changes in circumstances, you can expect for that to start changing. You can expect to become long-tempered and unfrazzled and difficult to aggravate. And you can expect for other people in your life to begin to notice the change. Because the fruit of patience is some of the outward evidence that God is going to produce in you that demonstrates that you are in a relationship with him. Now, maybe I'm saying all this and you're like, she seems very convinced of this, but I am still unconvinced. And if that's how you're feeling, that's fine, okay? 
But I want to do this. I want to go back and look at Paul, how Paul sets up this passage about the fruit of the Spirit. Because what we need to know is if our patience fruit is sort of stunted right now, like we're not getting enough sunlight or water or something, how are we going to grow it? And why is it stunted? So let's read back just a little bit earlier in Galatians 5 to see how Paul sets up this passage. We're going to be in verses 16 and 17. He says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Now, when I read this, I feel like this is very helpful. And it's, it's kind of a good reason for us not to read the Bible backwards, by the way, because this falls just before that fruit of the Spirit passage. So if you're ever in a passage of the Bible and you're like, I don't understand, it's very helpful to just go back a little bit and read the context because a lot of times it will set it up and help it make so much more sense to you. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's saying the reason that we struggle with patience and perhaps all the rest of the fruit that he mentions a little later in chapter 5 is because we are in a battle. Look at that language that Paul uses. He says, the two forces are constantly, constantly fighting one another. The sinful nature that we're all born with is battling the fruit that the Spirit is trying to produce inside of us. And that battle is happening constantly according to Paul. That sinful nature that you recognize in the life of a toddler, right, when they won't share and they won't eat that and they don't want to take a nap, that sinful nature that we're all born with, it grows up inside of us right alongside the fruit that the Spirit is producing inside of us. So when we face unexpected traffic or a rude comment from a coworker, our sinful nature is literally trying to choke out our patience fruit. And in those battles, just like the, the voice battles, you know, where they have the two people and they're dueling it out for their position on the, on the show. In those battles and in this battle inside of us, there is always only one winner. Either your sinful nature wins or your patience fruit wins. I remember when I was in a battle royale, okay, with my sinful nature and the fruit of patience in my life. I had planned with a group of friends to do the inline marathon in Duluth, okay, 26.2 miles on rollerblades. And there were about five of us, and we had planned to train and then do this marathon together. And my roommate, Julie, and I we set out to start training months in advance. And we had another friend, and I'm just going to call her Sarah to protect the innocent. Our friend Sarah decided not to train. She actually made fun of us every time we went out to train. She was like, you can just rollerblade 26 miles. It's not difficult at all. You just go out and do it. And she was making fun of us every time we went out to train. 
So the day of the race came, and we lined up with our friends, and we had, like, matching outfits, and we were on the starting line, okay? And we're ready to go, and Sarah takes off in front of all of us. So not only did she not train at all, but now she has decided that she is going to beat us. And she's going to cross the finish line in front of us. And we're like, hey, wait for us. But she's like, no. And she was like, we could still see her, which was obnoxious. But she was just like pretty far in front of us. So we're we're rollerblading all the 26 miles. And if you've ever been on this uh, race route, it's the same race route that they run for grandmas. It's like pretty much flat the whole way. And then there's hills at the very end. So we're at kind of the last big hill. And we're going to turn the corner and go to the finish line. And we're almost up to the top of the hill, and we find Sarah throwing up on the side of the road. And this is a moment, you guys, okay? This is a moment for us because we have to make a decision if we are going to stop and wait with our friend and cross the finish line together or if we are going to peace out and (laughs) pass, pass, you know, and, and cross the finish line before her. And I have to tell you, you know what I wanted to do. Like the sinful nature inside of me just wanted to blow right past her. But in that moment, we decided to stop and hang out with our friend. I think I actually held her hair, you guys, during this situation. And then we all crossed the finish line together. It was a battle between my fruit of patience in my life and that sinful nature. And maybe you have faced similar situations where patience battles impatience in your life and injustice is involved. In fact, maybe you face that daily with coworkers or friends or people that you live with. (laughs) Maybe you face that kind of situation on a day-to-day basis. And here's what I want you to know if that's what you're facing all the time. You are not alone. And as I said earlier, patience is possible for you. But not only that, but since patience is a desirable fruit that grows up inside of us, eventually we are going to be able to enjoy patience and not just endure it. It won't always be a moment where you have to grit your teeth and power through. Eventually, as the fruit grows, it will become more easy for us. And we'll actually enjoy exhibiting patience in our life. Okay, so now we know why it's so difficult to have patience when circumstances pop up in our life that are surprises or our life is not going, our days are not going according to plan. It's difficult because we're in a battle, a constant battle with our sinful nature. But now that we know that, we need to know how to win the battle. How is our patience fruit going to win out over our sinful nature when unexpected circumstances pop up in our life? And how are we going to learn to enjoy patience and not just endure it? For this, we're going to have to go to another book of the Bible. We're going to go to John chapter 15. And this is one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell the story of Jesus' life. John was one of Jesus' closest followers. And in John 15... He literally records Jesus' answer to this question that we're asking. Like, how are we going to win this battle? This is Jesus speaking, and here's his answer, uh, verses 1 through 4. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit 
so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Right, Jesus is teaching his followers how to be fruitful, how to grow the biggest fruit in our lives, how to make sure that patience wins out every single time. And it's pretty simple. He says this, remain in me and I will remain in you. It's that connection to Jesus that makes all of the difference with the fruit battles that we are facing in our life. Now, I thought it would be helpful for me to bring a vine along today, okay? Because I don't look at vines very often, and maybe you don't either. Um, this is a mandevilla. It's obviously not a grapevine. But I know you know this already, but I just wanted to show you. Like, you know this, that these flowers or this fruit cannot look like this without a connection to this main vine, The vine is the thing that delivers the nutrients and the water and carries the weight for this flower or this fruit. And you know this also. If I remove the flower, if I can do it, from the vine, what will happen to this? It it will die, yes. It will die. I can put it in a vase with water for a few days and it will look pretty for a minute and then it will wilt and die. This is such a simple and beautiful and perfect analogy to the fruit in our life and to Jesus. He's the vine. And so he's trying to show us and his followers at the time, hey, if you want to be fruitful, if you want to win out those battles over your sinful nature, you have to remain connected to the vine. As I read this passage, I I just pulled out three tips from Jesus for all of us for how we can win these fruit battles in our life. And here's the first tip. Stay connected to Jesus. Remember how I mentioned that a long time ago when I first started learning how to adult, I figured out how to make mornings work for me. And what I did is I took my, my nine minutes of snooze time in order to strategize for my day. I want to suggest to you that it would be wiser for me to take those minutes to connect to the vine instead. In fact, not too long into developing that strategy, I figured out that strategizing for my day was motivating for me personally, but then when the messes came in the day, I kind of tended to fall apart. And so when I rethought what I could do with those first minutes of my day. And I thought about the vine. I thought, well, what if I just took the first two or three minutes and I didn't think about my plan at all, but I just connected to Jesus? This is how I think that would play out in our lives if we did that. Your alarm wakes you up and you don't grab your phone. You leave it. You hop out of bed if you're a morning person or not if you're me, okay? You spend the next two to three minutes doing nothing else except connecting to the vine. 
30 minutes if you're a morning person and you want to sip your coffee, okay? Nine minutes if you want to give him the entire snooze time. But at least two to three minutes where you do nothing except think about Jesus and talk to Jesus. Here's what you could do during that time. You could read from a gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, just a couple of verses. And then you could tell Jesus that you love him and that he's first in your life today. You could ask him to help you see people the way he sees people. You could confess to him your insecurities, the struggles that you think you might be facing, and you could ask him for help. You could ask him for opportunities to serve and give and love. You could be honest with him. And then at the end of your two or three or nine minutes, you just say, amen. It just means, may it be done. May I stay connected to you, Jesus, today. Now, I am suggesting this to you because I have been a follower of Jesus for a very long time, and I know exactly how my life goes when I spend my nine minutes strategizing what I'm going to do for the day and executing that plan. And what happens when I spend that time connecting to the vine instead? I can tell you this. It makes all the difference in the entire world what I do with those first minutes of my day. If I, if I lump all of the stress and the pressure and the plan of the day on myself, then I reap that reward when things go wrong and I can't figure out how to handle it. But if I let go of my plan and I just connect with Jesus, he walks me through the whole day and I see things through his eyes instead of my own. And here's the weirdest thing that has happened to me since I started employing this many, time, many years ago. Just those, those, that kind of two to three minute chunk of connecting with Jesus has tended to reproduce itself throughout my day. So I find all kinds of two or three minute chunks where I can reconnect to the vine. So like I'm driving to a meeting and I am spending those two to three minutes just saying, hey God, let my words be your words in this meeting. Or I'm going to visit a friend and I say, God, when I leave this time with my friend, may she be more encouraged than she was, than she was before I came. Or I'm like about to make a phone call and I just pause for a couple of minutes and I say, God, I'm not sure how this is going to go. Can you help it go the way you want it to go? And it's so weird. But when you start your day connecting to the vine, it begins to reproduce itself in your life. And all day long, you find yourself connecting to Jesus and living your life very differently than if you had never connected with him at the beginning of your day. Okay, that's, that's the first tip. Stay connected to Jesus. Here's the second one from John 15. Allow for pruning. Here's how Jesus says it. He says, I'm the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they'll produce even more. Turns out that the patience battle is very tough to win when there are other things in our life that are weighing us down. And I'm not just talking about sin here, the things that we do wrong. There's just all kinds of things that occur in our life that weigh us down, that when not pruned, keep us from being able to be patient. Maybe for you it's over busyness or unhealthy friendships or not dealing with past hurt in your life. 
Or maybe it's just simply stress that you're under right now. And these kinds of dead branches in my life are directly connected to my ability to be patient. And maybe uh, they are for you too. I, I have a really easy way f- to recognize when I have dead branches that need pruning in my life, especially when it comes to patience. And um, it comes out in what I call my Batman voice. Okay, so I'm a parent, as I mentioned. And sometimes when I'm in Target with my children, they don't behave properly. Okay? And when I am in a good place and all of my dead branches are pruned and I am connecting with the vine, when one of my children acts out, I say this. I say, come back to the cart. This is a warning. You have two more warnings before there's a consequence. And I'm very calm and I use this very kind voice and they look at me and smile. Okay? But when I have branches that need pruning and I am stressed or I am over busy or I have an unhealthy relationship in my life. Then when one of my children acts up, I call them over to me. Get over here right now. And then I get them as close as they possibly can because ain't nobody need to hear this except them, okay? And I lean down into their little ears and I say, if you don't start behaving, you are going to walk home the Batman voice. Kind of sounds a little bit like Batman. No? Okay. Maybe <laughs> not. But listen, my kids know mom is low on patience when that happens. And I know it. And actually, I got to say, when that voice comes out, it is like instant conviction for me. I'm like, something is wrong here. And I need to fix it. Now, maybe you don't have kids and maybe you don't use the Batman voice, but maybe it comes out of you in another way. Maybe for you, it's sarcasm. Or maybe you snap at people. Or maybe you just ignore them altogether. And that kind of behavior, especially when it happens a lot in our life, can be a great indicator that we need some pruning in our life. So I want to ask you this question. What do you have in your life that you can ask God to start pruning today? Now, I could go ahead and suggest a whole bunch of things that you possibly could be struggling with that you might need to prune out of your life, but I think you probably have it already in your mind, and I don't need to do that for you. So I want to suggest this. Maybe today you just need to recognize what needs pruning and then give yourself permission to do one of these things, to say no, to book a therapy session, to put up a boundary in an unhealthy relationship, Or to go for a long walk today and just process something in prayer with Jesus that you are stressed out about or you're struggling with. Because patience strengthens with pruning, always. So give yourself and God permission to do that this week, to prune some dead branches in your life if you need to win some patience battles this week. Now, the last tip that Jesus gives us to produce the fruit of patience that we all desire is kind of hidden here in verse 3, and I want to read it for you. We might have missed it when we read it earlier. Jesus says this, You've already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. He throws in this beautiful sentence as he's trying to explain how to become more fruitful, and he says, You've already been pruned and purified. In other words, you already have everything you need to 
have this fruit grow inside of you. Or I would say it this way. We need to believe that the fruit is inside of us and that it will grow. Because everything that we need in order to grow that fruit, if we have placed our faith in Jesus, has already been given to us by God. In case you haven't been reminded of this lately, let me remind you that God loves you deeply. That he sent his son Jesus to earth to live a perfect, sinless life. And then at the end of his life, he died a gruesome death on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin, all the sin that we've ever done or that we ever will do, so that we could have ultimate freedom and forgiveness in our lives. And then Jesus didn't stay dead. He got up on the third day. He rose, proving that nothing has a hold on him, not even death, and offering us eternal life. Life that starts the day that you decide to follow Jesus and goes on and on and on into eternity. And when he rose from the dead and he offered us eternal life, what he was giving us was victory. Victory over the fruit battles and all the other battles that we face in our day-to-day life. So if you are struggling in the grocery store or the traffic jams or the mean comments from friends, you should know that if you are a follower of Jesus, you have already won those battles. You have been given everything that you need for your patience to beat out the sinful nature inside of you. Now maybe you're here today and you are just like checking out church. You're just maybe reacclimating with faith after having been away for a really long time. And you hear me talking about freedom and forgiveness and fruit. And you're like, that sounds good. <laughs> like, I want that in my life. And if that's how you're feeling right now, let me tell you this. It is really good. Living a life connected to Jesus, it really is a life of fruit. And you really will see transformation in your life. And other people around you will see transformation in your life. And it will be a totally different adventure than the life that you perhaps have been on apart from Jesus. And so today, if the forgiveness and the freedom and the fruit sounds good to you, today would be a great day for you to just Whisper a prayer to Jesus and say, I would like to follow you. I believe that you died for me, that you rose from the dead, and I want to follow you for the rest of my life. But some of you are here today, and you have been following Jesus, and perhaps you have forgotten that the fruit is inside of you, and it is growing. And for, for you, maybe you just need to make a commitment to reconnect to the vine. And to say, you know what, I thought, I thought some of that fruit was possible for me, but not patience. But now I'm convinced that even patience is possible for me. And Jesus, I would like more of that in my life. Or maybe you just need to prune some dead branches so that that fruit can flourish inside of you. 
Patience is a fruit that we can grow, you guys. And if you struggle with it like I do, I hope you will think about what Paul said, that it's a battle, a constant battle that we're in in our life. But I hope you will also think about what Jesus said, which is that there is victory in that battle through your connection to him every single day. And before I close, I just want to offer a challenge to you because as we prayed earlier, we don't want to leave this place just the same. You guys have committed this hour and 10 minutes of your life to being here today. And so we want to walk out with something to do, something that will change about us. And so just three ideas for you. Just pick one of them. Perhaps today you need to place your faith in Jesus for the first time. Like you're feeling this heart pounding and you're not sure you've ever made a commitment to follow him and today will be your day to place your faith in him. Others of you need to make a commitment to spend those first few minutes of your day, two to three minutes, nine minutes, 30 minutes, connecting to the vine this week. And you need to be relentless about it. Like nothing, nothing, nothing will get in the way of your first minutes of your day connecting to Jesus and not planning and strategizing for your day. And for others of us, we need to make a plan to prune a branch that is weighing us down. And you know what that is and you just need to offer it to God and make a plan to prune that branch this week. Just choose one of these. And then let's all come back here next week with stories of how our patience fruit and all the rest of the fruit is growing inside of us because we have victory through Jesus. Let me pray for you. God, it is so good to be reminded of hope uh, that you haven't left us to our impatience, that you haven't left us to our sinful nature, that you have promised to fight that battle inside of us and help us to win it. God, I pray that anyone in this room who is struggling with patience, that their struggle would be minuscule this week, that their connection to you would be stronger, that the dead branches would be pruned. And God, that ultimately we would be able to point people back to you as they notice what you're doing in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name.